Let's talk about Riverside.fm, the leading podcast and video creation platform that's changing the game on how creators record content. Riverside.fm allows you to record studio quality audio and up to 4K video on their platform. Now you can interview a guest a thousand miles away and it'll sound like you're sitting in the same room. It's as easy to use as Zoom, but gives much higher quality audio and video recordings. Did we mention that they have a mobile app? This allows guests to connect directly from their phone and record content from anywhere. After your content is finished, you can easily grab clips to share them across your social media channels. So if you're looking for a hero platform for all your recording needs, from podcasts to webinars to other video content, you should be using Riverside FM. Sign up today so you can focus on your content and leave the quality to Riverside FM. Use promo code SHIPIT and receive a 30% discount on your first three months of your subscription. That's promo code SHIPIT to receive a 30% discount on the first three months of your subscription. Back to the show. Welcome to another episode of the Talking Blues Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined by both of my co-hosts, Alex and Peter. We are here to talk about a Euro final that did not come home. It actually came to Rome. A 3-2 win on penalties in a 1-1 game. Uh, Italy versus England. Jorginho and Emerson are winners. And funny enough, um, I think Jorginho and Emerson are on the, like, when I'm looking here at Google or on the YouTube highlights about, like, they're hugging each other is, like, the picture on the highlights before you show them. So, basically, it just shows that Chelsea is the best club in the world and, uh, <laughs> you know, that we only care about the Italy Chelsea players. But, yeah, good good for them. Uh, it was goals on either side, the early one by Luke Shaw on a great cross. Um, and then we had another tap-in, basically, goal by Leonardo uh, Bonucci. Um. But yeah, I, I I just wanted to say congrats to Italy. Thank you, thank you, thank you for not making it come home. I'm very appreciative of every Italian supporter and Italian player. Um, there was actually a get together a town over from where we are in Jersey, um, celebrating the win, which was pretty cool. I saw a post on Instagram saying, "Any just Italian supporters that want to come uh, and just celebrate the win," which I thought was super cool. Uh, and very close to home to where we are. So I, I, I thought that was cool. And we live in a very Italian area here. Um, so, yeah. I guess I'll just leave it to you guys to make your comments on this match. The only thing is I'd like to say, unbelievable that Jorginho missed or was saved by Pickford. And also that they had a 19-year-old in soccer to step up. And, um, yeah, he, it just didn't work out. Well, at Southgate Masterclass, bring on a few players to take these pens. All miss. I don't want to hate on them because I think it's very, uh, uh, it was very impressive for them to step up like that. Sancho, Rashford, still very, very young. Saka, especially taking the fifth penalty, which arguably has the most pressure if it comes down to it. Being so young, I think he's 19. Being able to step up, yes, he missed. Yes, he lost it for his country, but the future for him is still bright, even though he's an Arsenal player. And I, well, I don't want to say I wish the future wasn't bright, but uh, hopefully he doesn't really play well for Arsenal because he's very talented and I don't want uh, Arsenal to have any talent because screw Arsenal. 
but he's a great player. Rashford Sanch are two great players, even though they're both menu players. And same thing applies there. Rather than not be great players, but it is what it is. They all stepped up. You calls into question uh, some of the senior players like Sterling. Where was Luke Shaw? Where was a bunch of other players? Where you could say, well, they're the veteran players. Why are you putting it on Saka, who's so young? Who, I mean, I don't know if you can say that it was definitely because of the pressure that he missed, or if it was just a bad pen, or it was just Donnarumma being good. But I think the pressure definitely played a factor, and I mean, it probably would have played a factor for anybody who takes that fifth pen. But I think a veteran player like Sterling, let's say, would have done better there. But uh, Southgate does what Southgate does, and not a good thing that he did, but it's whatever. I'm happy. Hey, he did the bad thing, and I'm happy. I was very, very happy to see Italy win it. Uh, I don't have to hear. I guarantee you if England won, this entire episode would just, the background would just be, it's coming home. Uh, it would be edited on in the background the entire episode, just the it's coming home song. Uh, Josh would be uh, constantly playing it, trying to annoy me and Alex. But I think all three of us agree that we're happy that it didn't come home and it went to Rome. Uh, it was a good game, actually, but it, I think it was a fair result. England pretty much got dominated the entire game outside of a f- the first chance in the first two minutes. It was a good goal from Shaw, good contact, great uh, build-up play, great transition. It was a great goal, but then the rest of the game, they kind of just sat back too much. I think they had like one shot on target the rest of the game. They really didn't do anything. Uh, well, Italy kind of just dominated the game, had better chances, had better everything. Uh, Donnarumma made all the saves he needed to make. He stepped up big in the penalty shootout. He obviously won player of the tournament, which I think is deserved, even though I do think Jorginho uh, should have been up there. He played very, very well. Uh, Emerson, who stepped in the past uh, few games because uh, Spinozola's injury, uh, he played very, very well in the final. I think uh, even if we don't keep him, which, I mean, he looked uh, very good, and I think he'd be a good backup, but I don't think we're keeping him. But if we do keep him, uh, he looked very promising, and if we don't keep him, he raised his value. So it's a win-win. Uh, but I think that's all. Uh, one player I do want to point out because I always point out one player. You know, that's my classic thing. Is uh, Chiesa? Uh, very, very, very good tournament and game as a whole. He was. He's just super, super talented. Very, very, very good. Uh, super well technically dribbling. He got past a bunch of England defenders so many times. He really did well taking the ball from the midfield all the way into the attacking third to try to uh, get chances for Italy. He played very, very well. Shkinu played well. Emerson played well. I already said that Dinaruma won player of the tournament. He played well. Uh, I don't want us to go over everything because I obviously want Alex to be able to talk at least about some things. And I don't want to talk for 10 minutes straight because I promised I wouldn't do that before this episode, actually. Uh, in fact, Josh and Alex begged me not to go on a long, long tangent. So I'll stop now. Alex, what are your thoughts? <laughs> So, you know, while I'm watching the game, um, I'm scrolling through Twitter, right? I, I need to see what people are saying, right? I'm sitting alone watching the game. I, I need to see what other people are saying. I look on Twitter. England's goal goes in. You know, first few minutes, everywhere. Southgate masterclass. Southgate masterclass. And then Leonardo Bonucci taps in his goal. Southgate disaster class. Southgate disaster class. And it, it's just so ironic. What I would put it as, Southgate Masterclass. Minute zero to minute 10, from then on, Southgate Disaster Class. And it's just kind of ironic to see some of the English supporters who were absolutely gassed about him uh, during the, uh, after the win against Germany, after the win uh, against Ukraine, after the win against Denmark, calling him the next thing, uh, the, <laughs> the next big thing managerial-wise for England. 
and now they're calling for his head. Kind of find it a little bit ironic. I, you know, I, I don't really know what else to say. In general, Southgate made the poor decisions, right? It sounds like Southgate actually, for the penalty shootout, which obviously is the critical part of the game, he made the decisions on who was shooting. He didn't ask for the players to step up like they usually do. Usually you come up, you say, I want to take a penalty. They put you in the order you want, but it looks like Southgate, uh, a player like Grealish, for example, came out and said that he stepped up to take one, um, but they, uh, but Southgate said no. So, and obviously he's a more senior player than someone like Saka, someone like Rashford, someone like Sancho. Um, so I, I think you've got to give this, like he said, he even owned up to, you know, his mistakes in that penalty shootout. I mean, it was, it was on him, this performance, right? Tactically, he got it wrong. Outside of the first 10 minutes, he didn't continue going at Italy. How he started that first 10 minutes should have been how he kept going up until, you know, the 70th minute or so, where you could finally sit back, try to protect your lead. But England, when they're expansive, when they're moving the ball fluidly, are a much better team than when they are sitting back and just trying to hit on the counterattack. Um, and in general, I mean, Kyle Walker's been outstanding for England. He was very good again. Um, but that's another player you take off these guys, you take off Rashford, you take off Sancho, uh, or you bring them on for Kyle Walker and for, um, I believe it was Jordan Henderson. Why Jordan Henderson's not taking a penalty with his tremendous experience, I don't know why. I get it, he missed his past last two penalties, but isn't that better than someone who's never taken a penalty in a professional game with a crowd before, like Saka? Yeah. Altogether, I just don't understand what he was thinking in that penalty shootout. You know, it's unfortunate. You know, I know there's been a lot of backlash towards the players, um, you know, with all sorts of racist remarks from a lot of, you know, some really terrible people, to be honest. Um, and, you know, Southgate and, I, I, you know, it's good that there's lots of people messaging against those, you know, people who just happen to be the loudest and aren't the, major uh, the majority. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. I actually really like Saka as a player. He's one of my favorite players as much as I hate Arsenal. Um, I really hope he succeeds, but I hope he moves to another club and then succeeds, not at Arsenal. Um, but yeah, he's definitely one of my favorites. And I was really upset uh, to see him, uh, you know, you know, just have to go through that whole thing. Um, so it's upsetting, but Italy were well-deserved winners. They played very well uh, throughout the game. They deserved to win based on their path, based on how they played throughout the entire tournament, based on how they played in the final. Um, and that midfield, Jorginho, Verratti, Barella was really the key for them. And obviously the amazing backbone of Chiellini and uh, Benucci and Donnarumma, of course, who was the player of the tournament. I kind of find that a bit fishy. I wouldn't say he was the player of the tournament. Yes, he came up big in the penalty shootout. Yes, he came up big with a couple big saves. Would I say he's the player of the tournament? Probably not. I don't even think, you know, personally, I wouldn't say there was a clear cut player of the tournament this tournament. Um, I don't think, you know, if I was being completely honest, I think Kyle Walker was the player of the tournament. I thought he was sensational for England. They hadn't conceded an open play goal up until uh, the final, which, in you know, was off corner. So if you even count that as an open play goal, um, but really mainly due to his speed, his recovery. And I think he really deserved it, in my opinion. But um, obviously Donnarumma got it and congrats to Italy. Um, you know, of course, now I'm going to pull it out. I'm a little bit part Italian. Don't worry about it. Um, so I'm going to take credit for the, <laughs> I'm going to take credit for the win. I'm now a big Italian supporter. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm happy to see them win. 
And it was good to see how Manchi just really turned that group around. I'm sorry, Alex. What's the percentage chance of, or the percentage chance, the percentage of Italian in your in your blood? It is twenty five percent. Okay, a quarter. You, quarter. You got a, You got a quarter in there. Um, yeah. I don't know if any of you got. So I'm now fully Italian. <laughs> so now I'm fully Italian. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know if any of you guys mentioned it, but uh, Jorginho, as Alex, because I call I said Jorginho, so that's the deal. Jorginho, um, if I don't know if you guys mentioned it, but he was on the Euro team of the tournament to end uh, the Euro. So congratulations! A lot of people are saying uh, I don't know if it's most of it's memes and funny jokes. Uh, the Jorginho for Ballon d'Or. You know, I know I've been seeing that a lot. I'm sure it's just jokes, but uh, it's pretty. It is pretty funny remarks. Yeah, and also one thing I wanted to mention too um, before we move on to some of the, you know, a little bit of Chelsea news that we have. Um, Messi obviously winning his first international trophy with Argentina, um, them defeating Brazil 1-0, um, and it was a nice victory for him. Obviously, Messi didn't have the best game, but he was sensational throughout the tournament. So I'm really happy for him, um, and, you know, it, it's great to see him finally get that coveted international trophy that he's been going after for a long time. And now past this point, we don't really have much planned for the podcast. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, this is a little short one here. We were planning on doing, you know, something. If something was going to come up, there wasn't really anything. So our main thing here is the Euro recap. There is a little bit of Chelsea news rumors. So we'll get into that a little bit, but shorter episode. And next week, we'll figure out something to do. I know I mentioned like games and stuff like that. So maybe we'll do one of those uh, type things. But we got to you know figure that out next week. Um, Antoine Griezmann. I don't know why Alex thought this was going to be a good thing to talk about. Peter and I did not agree, but I put in the in the uh, sheet for today. Uh, so Anton Griezmann is supposed to go on loan, um, or I guess supposedly might go on loan. Is Chelsea an option for him? And I will put that up to Peter first because he hasn't talked in a while. Well, he's an option because anybody's an option, but do I want him here? No, thank you. I'll pass. I think he's uh, reportedly on some crazy wages, like 400k, 500k, 300k, some somewhere in there. Absurd amount of wages for a player who, I mean, he's solid, right? But we have Havertz, we have Werner, we have Zayic, we have Callum Hudson-Odoi, we have Charlie Musonda coming back. We have so many players, uh, Armando Broja, another one. We have a bunch of players. We maybe have Erling Haaland coming in, who knows? We have all these players, right? Uh, I don't think he fits in, especially if we have to retain a lot of his salary. Uh, I don't think it's worth it to pay a player 300k uh, a week to be someone that's not even close to one of the best players on our team who might not even start every game, to be honest. I think Kai Havertz should definitely start over him. Who knows what Tuchel wants. If Tuchel thinks he could uh, come in and be an integral part of this team and he fits well in the system... I'll take him because I trust Tuchel. He won us the Champions League. He knows what he wants. He knows his system. Uh, I trust Tuchel, but uh, no thank you. I'll pass on those wages. All right, so I have a vastly different opinion on this. I think, why the hell not? Bring him in. You're not going to be paying. I think he's reportedly on 800K, 500K, something like that. You're not going to be paying all the wages, number one, right? Barcelona are going to do some sort of split. You're probably going to be paying 60% at most. You're looking more, you know, probably around 300K a week, like Peter mentioned. But for one season, there's no long-term commitment. And I think Antoine Griezmann 
I mean, I remember him when he was at his best for Atletico Madrid. He was absolutely sensational, was one of the best players in the world. And I think for France, we've seen that he has played well for France. And I think he could be really good in the Premier League. I'm not going to guarantee it. That's why it's a loan, right? And I think he's just another piece that's on the bench. Maybe, hopefully, he can get a starting role. I think, you know, you could play him up top you know, where he used to play when he was a bit younger. But I, I think he's a kind of a nice fit in the Premier League. I know I, I'm one of the few, I'm kind of in the minority here, but I would welcome him in with open arms. It's not that you're in the minority, Alex. I just wanted to say that uh, it's not going to happen. So I don't even know why we're talking about it is the, is the main deal. You guys can have your thoughts and opinions on it, but we're talking about something that's just not even an option. It's the, it, It's not happening, so... You know, as you uh, as you dream about it, Alex, in your sleep, it's not happening. Um, a few other stuff. You have uh, Charlie Masanda, uh, Armando Broja, and Connor Gallagher are all back in training with Chelsea. They were at Cobham just recently. Uh, you can go look at Chelsea's you know social media to so check that out. So that was pretty cool. And. Um, Something I guess we should follow up on is that Olivier Giroud is expected. I think we already mentioned that he's going, to, he's moving to AC Milan. But um, Olivier Giroud is expected to complete his move on Friday, and the deal is worth up to three million pounds, including add-ons. So uh, the man is leaving. I think Alex and Peter are both upset. More Alex than Peter, um, as he as he's Alex. Say your final goodbyes. Do you have a, a letter written for Olivier Giroud? I'm quite literally, I'm quite quite literally moping as I'm listening to Josh talk about it. I'm so upset about this. I love Olivier Giroud, one of my favorite players of all time. I had a hard time focusing. I had a hard time focusing, Alex, because Alex is <laughs> rocking up and down in his chair like a little baby right now, sobbing. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually devastated. Um, Olivier Giroud, one of my favorite players, like I said before. I'm not going to repeat it again. I may have to repeat it again. But I'm very upset to see him go. You know, it's past his peak now. Olivier Giroud is not the same player he used to be. It's sad. I'll root for him at AC Milan. Him and Zlatan up front, the ageless warriors. Um, and I, they'll be really fun to watch and, uh, in Milan. So I'm excited to see that, but I, I definitely will miss him. But hopefully it gives more opportunities for Tammy Abraham. Oh, I have to say some thoughts now, too. I mean... I agree with you, Alex. He is also one of my favorite players. I think I think I remember saying having this exact conversation last time we talked about him leaving because I think we ended up talking about him leaving. But he is also one of my favorite players. But I think the time is right where he has to move to another club. He's getting older, like you said, past his prime. Not ideal. He probably he barely got any minutes under Tuchel. Uh, he's still talented, and I think he should use that talent while he still has it. Of a team, uh, moving to a team like AC Milan where he can start up front, get more regular game time, and showcase what he has to make it to the World Cup team, start over Benzema maybe next year at the World Cup. Uh, I think that, that that'd be ideal for him. I really does do, I really do, I don't know. I really hope he succeeds at AC Milan. I think he will. I think uh, he, him and his lockdown, like you said, Aegis Warriors, that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I mean, I probably won't watch a lot of it. I'll be more focused on the Prem, obviously. But I think that'll be fun. That'll be interesting. And hopefully all the best. And one other thing I want to point out is uh, you said hopefully that opens up more opportunities for Tammy Abraham. No, it isn't. Uh, I, I believe Tuga will probably prefer playing Keppa up top over, starting, uh, over giving Tammy Abraham any minutes. So uh, don't worry about that one, Alex. 
it does seem that way, Peter. It really does seem that way that um, he he wants to stop Tammy Abraham from starting up front at all costs, um, Thomas Ducal. But that'll be it for today's episode of the Talking Blues podcast. We really appreciate you listening and supporting the podcast. If you can support it a little bit more than not just listening, go follow us on Twitter at Talking Blues Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Joshua29. Alex is on Twitter at Anorian23. And you can give us five stars rating and review. Uh, or review, I say. You can give us, uh, I should say, you can give us five stars of a rating or write a review and give us five stars. Really appreciate it. Um, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the main one. And we'll be getting on the, spot, uh, the Spotify and Apple Podcast charts, mainly Apple Podcast charts for soccer um, recently. And we really appreciate you guys for listening and you know helping us reach that point. It's really special for us to be able to do it, especially still in our first season. So we thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time for another episode. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.